Welcome our broadcast. Thank you for coming online with us this morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We are River Church, and we love the Word of God. We love Jesus. We love the family of God. We are so blessed, and we want you to be blessed too. We are so happy, and we want you to be happy too. And what made us happy is believing the Word of God, the promises that He's given unto us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Would you turn to Hebrews chapter 13? Hallelujah. I want to minister to you this morning on getting hooked up with heaven or just hook up with heaven, however you want to say it. Hook up with heaven. And I told you last week, you can preach everything under that title because everything in the Bible fits hook up with heaven. So I'm going to surprise you. Chapter 13, verse 8. Let's read it together. Verse 8. Ready? Read. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Again, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now let's go to Acts chapter 10. I hope you have a star around that Hebrew scripture. Because it's what makes everything in your life work. Acts chapter 10. Let's look in verse 34. Let's look in the middle of the verse and go to the end and let's read it together. Ready? Read. Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Let's do it again. Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Yay. That's what, one thing that we're reading, the, the supernatural, the miraculous in the Bible every Sunday is because if God did it for them, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for me. And you go, well, I, I may need something a little different. He's got that. He didn't exhaust heaven by putting in 75 Old Testament miracles. He just gave us a sample, a sample. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 25. We're talking about hooking up with heaven. Matthew chapter 25. Yay. Let's put some faith in our heart this morning. Faith comes by hearing. Faith arises by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So let's put the word in. I, I want you to know that I give uh, Barry in the sound booth, I give him a list of scriptures on a three by five card every Sunday. And uh, it takes up the whole card. All the way down. I don't know how many scriptures that is, but from top to bottom, it's quite a lot. And I want you to just think about how many scriptures we read or go over or meditate every service. Every, we are a word church, and we don't have much to say until we've said what God says. We don't have much to believe until we've believed what God said we should believe. So we're, we, this is not opinion. This is not fake news. This is him. We do comment on things. We do tie things together because there's so much, uh, so many ways to go. But Jesus is the answer to everything. There is no answer. And he is the word. And so the word is the answer for everything. And it says in chapter five, it's a story that's about verse 14. We won't read it, but uh, it's a simile. It's a parable, as it were about the Lord Jesus and about us. And it talks about a master that divided his goods among his three servants, giving one five, one three, no, one two, and one, what is it, three? 
Five, two, and one. So he divided them up and it says he gave it according to their ability or their capacity. So he was fair. He gave everybody what they could handle. Nobody was overloaded, but everybody had their boat full, so to speak. And uh, so he, he, this is a story about us that you, uh, you may not can sing like me and you can tell the Lord how blessed you are about that and how happy you can be about that. Uh, uh, you know, we talked about you can get up in the morning and say, I'm not from Ziklag, and you can get happy about that. Praise God. But so we all have different talents. We have people that go to children's church, that go to the nursery, and I can tell you, I wouldn't be, I could be trained like a monkey, I guess, to do things, but that's, that's not where I flow. But there's people that are absolutely, if you could go back there and sit with the children, you'd come away saying, yes, that was good. So we all have different expertises and giftings and talents from the Lord. And some are more public, more demonstrative. We give more credit to people that can play a piano or can uh, sing or do whatever they do. And we give little credit to the people that clean the church or that uh, make sure everything's in order. They're just as important. We could go to Corinthians where it talks about the parts that are not that are hidden like, for instance, the ones that are hidden in your shoes this morning are just as important as your beautiful face and your lovely ears and nose. We can't judge that, can we? He's, he put us together like he wanted us. And that's real important. And it says in verse 19, it says, after a long time. Well, it's been 2000 years, hasn't it? After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them and reckoneth with them. Uh, one version says that. Uh, uh, what version? Probably New Living Translation says, After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Do you all know there's going to be an account to you and I about how we used our life? You can say, I think I did a pretty good job. Well, the word is the judge of that, and he'll tell us. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. And then we see the servant that had two bags. He likewise earned two more. He doubled. And then we know the servant that just had one went and buried his silver in the ground because he was afraid, because of fear, because of unbelief. So we know that there's a grace on each one of us to do what's in us. There's no grace in me to sing. I can tell you it would be a wreck if the cats would howl and the dogs would bark. It would it'd be terrible. And I know it is. So I don't even try. I don't even aspire to that. I'm not musical at all. I, I don't know anything about musical instruments. I don't know anything about reading. Mu I don't know anything musical. And because i am uh, been discouraged about that for so long, I don't even try. I don't even aspire. I just get in front of somebody that does have that ability and I enjoy what they do. So it's the same thing with you and I. And so despite these different beginnings that these three servants had, they all came out with a result. They all had a grace to do. One had a grace for five uh, measures, one for two measures, and one had a grace for one measure. But it's what we do with our measure. And so nothing's too hard for you if the grace of God's on you to do it. Because we're not doing anything by our own strength. We release our faith by our own strength. We say, decision is the place of power. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. 
How many of y'all are in right there? I'm going to do it. And if, if it's clean the church, if it's, uh, if it's type bulletins, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be a, I'm going to be profitable unto the Lord. I'm going to be fruitful to the Lord. I'm going to please him with what he's put in me. Because I'm telling you, if, if I was making me, I'd have made, I'd added three inches. I can just tell you, it's, it's not bad to be this tall. But I, I wouldn't see any reason not to be a little taller. You got a lot more girls you can look at because when you're five six, you got to get one that's five five or five four. You know, have you ever seen those girls that are six foot thirteen? You go, they got a narrow field to go courting with, don't they? Yeah, hallelujah. So um, you got to get. We got to all. We got to hook up with heaven. We got to get in line with God's plan for our life. We got to get happy with it. Um, we had a lady in our church in West Texas, and she was a good one. She was a good girl. And she was, she was, I wouldn't say she was OCD, but she knew how to clean that church, and she never missed anything about anything. But she was always overlooked in her estimation, and she wanted to sing. Well, Becky couldn't sing much better than me, bless her heart. But she wanted to be sing, to sing. So she tried to get up there and everything, and she wasn't that good at it, and we weren't that edified by it, and we weren't blessed by it. You know, it was just, bless her heart, Lord. And she did, you know, it was just personal, she, but she could clean the church. And she struggled with that. Well, don't struggle. Get in the grace, it's easy. Where there's grace, it's easy to do what you do. And just leave everybody else alone. That, you don't have a grace for it, so you're not called to it, and you're not going to be accountable for it. But because this guy with the one didn't think he had what it took, he just gave up. Lots of people in the body of Christ think, well, if I can't preach, they want a pulpit or whatever, I, I can't do that. Well, that's wrong. So there's, God has a plan for his people. And God's plan for God's people is in Ephesians chapter 3. One of his plans, one measure of it. Ephesians chapter 3, we've already quoted it this morning, but we're going to look at it again. It says in verse 3, verse 20 of chapter 3, Ephesians, God's plan for God's people is that unto him that is able to do exceeding, let's read it together, verse 20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So there's a grace in you to do beyond everything that you can't do. I can tell you I could be a singer if the grace came on me, and I would. I wouldn't sing in front of anybody, but I would enjoy myself. You know, everybody thinks they're good in the shower. They're wrong, but they think they are. Hallelujah. Well, that's where I'd be. So uh, God wants to do more than you can do. He wants to build on you, but we have to be willing, willing and obedient, uh, Jeremiah says. We got we to get in track that says, here am I, send me. We don't, we don't get ready. How many people do you know that says, I'm not good enough to get saved. I'm working on me, and then I'll be good enough to get saved. And we tell them, that's not how you do it. You get saved, and then you get good enough. There's a grace that comes to be what you can't be until you get born again. Well, it's the same thing with us. We, we have... A call on our lives. God has a plan for our lives. And when we get discouraged or when we don't engage it, it's only because, listen, we have lost our testimony. 
God's been good to you and me. God's been supernatural to you and me. You, you might not realize it. It may not be something you'd write in Acts 29, but it, he's been faithful and he's been powerful and he's been there. He's not slacking his promises and he's never leaves us or forsakes us. So God has been good to you and me. How many Christians across the world don't even believe in the supernatural and they're absolutely breathing and, and prospering because of the supernatural? One thing is the Jews. They prosper. They prosper because they believe the word even though they're not born again. Well, we're born again, but there's so many things that we have. So uh, despite our beginning, wherever you started out, God has a plan for your life. And he's moving you from where you started to where he wants you to end up. Now, there's a timetable on that. You know, if, if uh, you order pizza from Domino's and they say we'll deliver it in 15 minutes or we'll deliver it this evening or we'll deliver it. Here's what they'll say. We'll deliver that at 615. Well, you think it's that evening. So the next day, here comes your pizza. But you went hungry the night before and you go this. You did what you said, but it wasn't what I wanted, what I expected. Well, the same thing about our own lives. There's an agenda on your life. There's a a draw in your life, but you have to be at the right place at the right time. And that's what we're mostly working on. We're willing, but we just need details. Y'all need details? Lord, I'll go where you want me to go and I'll do what you want me to do, but I don't know what that is. Well, what we do is we have to rehearse our testimony. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? Of course you do, but you got to go back and relive it. You got to go back and not discount it because at the moment of that testimony, when something happened, you were needy for that testimony and it fit. There was a grace that came. You may say, oh, I don't need that grace now because I've learned it by faith. Yay. But back then you had to have grace for it because you didn't have faith for it. It just came on you. Well, there's still more out there. God's not through with us yet. And a testimony. What does a testimony say? What does the word testimony mean in the kingdom? It simply means this. God wants to do it again. God wants to do it again. Point to yourself and tell yourself with me, God wants to do it again. Well, what, what again? What's the again? Well, you got to go back and rehearse your testimony. Uh, I get a chance sometimes up here to tell you about my testimony and what God did for me in an example, an illustration, an account of, of the word. But you have a testimony. And just when you even get up with the brand saying, anybody have a testimony? We may say, well, it's not worthy, but that'd be wrong. It is worthy. We are all excited about whatever God is doing with anybody. It may be too personal to share at that time. It may be a testimony that's in transition. It's not finished. It wouldn't make sense. But we need to always be ready to jump up and say, God wants to do it again for somebody. I'm going to tell them what I did. M Melissa gets up and inspires the fire out of me. Because she's running along. That's not the part that inspires me. But she stops and says, God said, stop and pray for you. That, does that inspire y'all? And you go, well, that's nothing special. Anybody could do that. Well, are you? If you were, you'd get up and talk about it. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 26. I want to talk about God's plan for your life this morning. Leviticus. That's where the sticky pages are. <laughs> there's no, there's no, you won't be distracted by the pencil marks and the pen and the stars in Leviticus 26. Every page is as pure as when you got the Bible. 
Well, actually, there is a line right there that I've marked. Hallelujah. Something in Leviticus. Chapter 26. Let's look in verse 1. Now, I'm going to start off in the King James, and then we're going to go to the New Living. But it says, ye shall make you no idols. Leviticus is the rules book. All the rules and the regulations. The, the, they don't know anything, so he's giving them a game plan here. Make no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. And then he goes on. I'm going to read in verse 2. Uh, he said, you must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence of my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees. Now, it's going to get a little arduous here. If you follow my decrees. Well, there's a bunch of them and are careful to obey my commands. I will send you seasonal rains. So good boys got a rain and bad boys didn't get a rain. Is that how y'all read it? Sure. The land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threat. Now, here's what we're going. We're going to get a syntax here, a lockstep of blessing. If you'll do, if you'll play ball with me, God said, it'll be good for you. He said your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. I will give you peace in the land. How many of y'all know that's a good thing for America right now? We had peace in our land. Just be reconciled. We're not saying it has to go this way or that, but let's be reconciled. Let's come to an end. Uh, and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. Wow. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. How cool is that? In fact, you'll chase down your... Now, here's where I'm going. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. And we can't transpose that in the New Testament, but... And, but here it is. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. What verse is that? Vase. Let's read it in the King James if you're there. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Now that was God's plan for God's man. Are y'all there? We're the head and not the tail. We're above only and not beneath. Stuff happens for us that nobody else happens for because we obey God. Now, the obey God thing is not in play anymore. That's the law, and we had to keep, they had to keep the law. But now we're born again. Now the children get the benefits. You say, well, what if you don't obey it? Well, it won't go well for you, but it won't be because God's withholding. It'll just be that you won't be at the right place at the right time. Holy Ghost is going to say, be by the brook. And you're, you're going, I don't, I've seen the brook before. I'm going to go down here by this ridge. Well, there's no rain and there's no ravens over there. The manna does not fall by the ridge. So he said, all your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I'll look favorably be upon you, make you fertile and multiply your people. I will fulfill my covenant with you. You shall have a surplus of crops. And he goes on and on and on. He said, if you'll do, if you'll play ball with my rules, it'll be blessing on you. So much so it'll be supernatural. You'll chase your enemies. And five of you shall chase a hundred. That's five uh, percent. And that happened for Samson, uh, Samson, Gideon. That happened for him. There was an innumerable amount of Midianites. And he went up the hill with 200. I believe it's 200. And he said, a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. 
and your enemies shall fall. Now, turn with me to Deuteronomy 32. So how'd that go for the people? He gave them the word in Leviticus, and he said, I'll keep my word. If you'll do what I say, it'll happen for you just like I say. But in verse 26, we find out how a people respond. Now, I'm here to tell you this morning, and you know this, but let's just let's go over it. People are really concerned about our nation right now and the trouble that we're in and the strife that we're having and the lawlessness, if that's what you call it or whatever. We've really divided in the nation. It's it's uh, it's adversarial. But it didn't start with this administration. It didn't stop with start with President Obama or President Bush. It started with all of us, the church. We just said, we're not going to do it that way. We got options. We got options. It wasn't like, if you don't do it my way, I'll smite you. That's, that's the Old Testament. I'll smack you if you don't do it my way. We got options. We're under the season of grace right now. And so if you don't want to do it, God doesn't say anything. But there's blessings attached to obedience, isn't there? There's the supernatural. There's miracles. There's breakthrough. There's testimonies when you do it like God says. And he's not mad at anybody. Wasn't then. He's not now. But if you don't do it his way, if you don't follow the word of the Lord, if you don't follow the unction of Holy Spirit, you're going to be out of position. And the blessings, like I said, are not just wherever you are. They're where he says they are. And position means you're where he says they are. I can hardly tell you how many people have told me over the years, God don't care what house you live in, don't care what church you go to, doesn't care what city you live in, no, 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 no. Well, they're wrong. He does care. He has a plan. He's got a perfect, unique, and specific plan for each one of us to be at the right place. Well, you're supposed to be, if this morning anyway, we'll just mark this day, we're supposed to all be here in River Church. I think we all have a consensus on that. Well, that's, that's because we don't like feet with just three toes. We don't like hands with just, you know, all thumbs. We, we like everything to be like it's supposed to be, and that's what River Church is. We're what we're supposed to be right now. And if you were missing, we'd be missing. If you were missing, we'd be doing without. It wouldn't be the same. As a matter of fact, there are some people missing, and we're having to carry the load for them until they get back in position. Well, nobody said, oh, she said amen. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you your dollar later. Hallelujah. I got help on the front row. So Deuteronomy 32, verse 26, in that light, he said, uh, let's see where I am. 32, 26. Is this right? Yeah. This is what happens when a people that aren't in faith respond. And America has not responded. The church has not responded. The Bible says to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but most churches say we don't want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But most Christians in America anyway don't want to lay hands on the sick so they'll recover. You go, well, is it optional? Sure, it's optional. You don't have to, but you are going to be out of position. And God's good hand for America, the plan is delayed, if not completely thrown off course. You know how much maneuvering it took for the Lord to get the Messiah in the earth? He had to navigate with Abraham. He had to with Noah, with Abraham. 
He had to navigate with David. David was off with Bathsheba. How, how messianic does that work? When the time for kings to be outside uh, going to battle, he was at home. He, God had to deal with that. He did, didn't he? And he dealt with everybody between there and the Messiah. He navigated it, but it was, that wasn't the course he set. That's just the course he had to maneuver with. Well, he's having to maneuver with America because America's out of position. You go, well, we're still Christian. Well, yay. But I told you last week that only 65% of Americans say we're Christian. Two out of three. And you know, just because you say you are doesn't mean that you're doing anything. In other words, you could qualify for that 65% and practically be, you know, a, a, Chris, a Christmas and Easter Christian. We love you anyway, if you're out there and you're Eastern Christian. But uh, Christmas. But you'd do better if you'd come to church all the time. So, Amer so the church is driving America. The church is driving every economy, every political system. It's what the church does. It's not what President Trump or doesn't do. It isn't what President Obama failed to do or what he did well. It's not that, although there's less options. It's what the church does. If we are the, if we are the bastion of wisdom in the earth, and the Bible says we are, that wisdom comes into the church, then when we're not wise, there's nowhere else for the world to turn. Okay, yay. Verse 25, the sword without and terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin. Oh, I'm supposed to be in verse 20. 26, you know, that'll do better. I said I would scatter them into corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy. Let me go, let me get this into the contemporary English. It's just better. He said, I wanted to scatter you so no one would remember that you had ever lived. This is God talking. He's talking to his people. He said, I want to scatter you so no one re would remember that you ever lived. Would you all say the Lord was hot? He's not having a happy day. Then he says, but I dreaded the sound of your enemies saying we defeated Israel with no help from the Lord. People of Israel, that's what the Lord has said to you. But you don't have good sense, and you never listen to advice. This is the contemporary English. If you did, you would see where you're headed. Here it is. How could one enemy soldier chase a thousand of Israel's troops? Now, what did we just read out of Leviticus? He said five will put a hundred to flight. Well, here he's saying it's so bad with y'all that the enemy is putting, what did it say? Uh, one enemy soldier chases a thousand. So we had five to a hundred, five percent. Now he's saying one-tenth of one percent is putting you on the, on the get-go. Or how could two of theirs pursue 10,000 of ours? It can only happen, look, if the Lord stops protecting Israel and lets the enemy win. Even our enemies, I like this, even our enemies know that only our God is a mighty rock. So the world, America, everybody knows we got the God. Christians have the God. We, we, our God always comes through when we come through. In other words, when we let him, when we give him place, when we accommodate him legally, when we say, 
Lord, here am I, send me, do, do for me. When we make a place for God, then God can come in. But it's whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. So if we bind God from our legal system, from our culture, when, then we don't have much. Now, I'm not going to go there much, but really the founding fathers never did accommodate Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims and agnostics and atheists in our government system. It's a Christian society, and the government's set up that way. If you'll read the Constitution, you'll read it. It just comes out of the Word of God. Lots of people would deny that or, or, or argue with me, but I, I, I got the pulpit this morning, so I'm going to say it. Hallelujah. The, our, our, our form of government does not have a place for non-Christian, non-Judeo-Christian values. Now, it accommodates them pretty good. It's pretty, it's pretty good. But eventually, people have to do right. You can't just do the letter of the law. You can't just win because you got more votes. People have got to do, want to do right, whatever that is. And the Constitution's set up for that. But other than that, it's, it's hit or miss. It's not much. Well, that's what happened here with Israel. God said, I want to do you good. We read it in Leviticus. He said, I want... For, for you to put the enemy to flight with hardly anybody. You just send the water boy and the, and the horse boy. You say, hey, you two boys over there, go whoop the Philistines. We'll be here when you get back. I mean, almost like that. But now he's saying here that these people are putting you on the run with hardly anybody in your life. So what, what has happened to the American church and what's happened to the American church member? Well, we've lost our testimony. We talked extensively about it last week, about how we have to stir ourselves up about what God's done. Because we don't have the feasts, or the Sabbath days, or the memorials, or the, uh, the, uh, the, the, they used to put a big pile of stones in the river where God showed up, where they had crossed over. That the water stopped in the Jordan up here, and it dried up there, there and they just walked across on dry land. Then they'd build a pile of rocks and say... When your kids come by here next time, you tell them what the pile of rocks is for. Well, we don't do that anymore, do we? And we shouldn't. Testimony is written on our hearts. We are filled with the knowledge of God. We are, we are God-breathed. So we don't need a pile of rocks. We don't need a feast day that says, what is this, Daddy? Well, this is when we smack the Philistines and this this. The feast over here is when we, the angel of death, went through and killed everybody, the firstborn, but we were untouched. We don't have that. So we have to have a testimony. You need your testimony. You'll perish. You'll not do well without remembering what God has done. And God's done something for all of us. Even when you're just born again 20 minutes, you can say, look what God has done for me. I'm born again. And then when you get the Holy Ghost, and that's a whole nother challenge because so so much is against that why because it's so powerful but once you speak in tongues and you are hot stuff you are you're that hot mustard on a bologna sandwich you 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 fire it all up hallelujah and you got a testimony yeah well uh they discount the church has discounted 
who they've become versus where they came from. In other words, we become political and we're somebody, we have a business and we have something and we have a new boat or we have a uh, we get our master's degree or we have a, just everything that's out there that tempts us to say, look at that. Or if you're red, yellow, black, and white. There's another one, but I don't remember what it is. Brown, Brown that's it. I thought of it yesterday, the other day and forgot it already. Whatever color you are, we're all the same. We're all the same in God. There is, when, when you get born again, you slip out of that label that, uh, and, and says, well, I, I was short and I was white or I was, uh, none of that matters. None, none. I was Baptist. That matters none. Well, I'm a woman. Matters none. There's no, there's no gender in him. But we got we to gotta, constantly with the testimony of the Lord, we got to take that off because it's always before us. If you're a woman, if you're a, if you're a Hispanic, if you're a, or whatever we all are, it's always in front of us because we see it, we feel it, we're, we are dealt with it in the world about who you are and what you've got and what you can do. But you and I, can, we got to quit it. The testimony is, I'm born again. And it just doesn't matter how I started out. It just doesn't matter what, how I was born, where I was born. It doesn't matter what my education is or what, if my father beat my mother. It doesn't matter that I had, to, uh, you know, I had to do this and had to do that, didn't get an education. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because faith is the great equalizer. And once you get born again, the, the faith of Almighty God comes in you, and you got faith to be anything he's called you to be. The grace is there, and if you'll get in the grace, it'll take you there. But if you're going to be an uneducated uh, white woman with no husband but 16 kids, if that's who you think you are, you can't appropriate the grace in that environment, in that atmosphere. you got to put that off and say, I am who he says I am, and I am not what I did. I am not what I did. I am who he says I am, who he made me. I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. What he has, I have. You got you to put it off, who you are. You got to put your past off. Y'all say amen to that one. You got to put your past off. Because how you got here can be a little ugly. It can be a little sinful. It can be a little mistake-laden. It can be a, full of regrets. Full of regrets. And how we all wish we had two lives to live, one to learn and one to excel. I just, all the time, I'm going, God, if I, if I could be 50 again, which I'd, you know, I'd do better. Would you do better 10 years ago? Would you do better? Of course we would. But you don't go, and there's no jerky backs. There's no do-overs. So people discount where they came from. Where'd you come from? Doesn't matter what you were, male or female, black or white, uh, uh, poor or rich, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. We're all free in him. And the grace of God to fulfill our destiny, it's all over us. Well, where is it? Well, if you're looking at your humanity, if you're looking at your marker, then you won't see it. You'll discount your life. You'll say, well, I don't, I don't have a college education. Well, or, or I grew up poor and we don't have anything. 
Can you do that in church? <laughs> Pam will clean it up later. It matters none. Now, see, that's our challenge. That's our challenge is to be who we are, who we are instead of be what we look like or what we feel like or, where, or what our experience is, what we remember. What's worse? What is worse than this in this world than a couple that gets married and she says, I'll, I'll have the babies. That's always handier. And I'll take care of the babies. That's real handy, too. And I'll, I'll work this and I'll do without that and put you through medical school. And then when you, when you get where you make some money, then you'll bring it home to us. Well, you know the story sometimes. He gets the education and then he says, goodbye. I'm, I'm heading out with, with uh, good looking over here. That, doesn't it make you mad? Doesn't it just make you want to go smack something? Well, of course, because it's so unfair. But it wouldn't matter if you're that woman. It wouldn't matter if you had been through that stuff. His grace is sufficient for us. And you just are never at an advantage. No matter even what mistakes we've made. No matter if you've been in jail. I'm telling you, there's people that have been in jail. There's people that, that have had abortions. There's people that have killed somebody. Uh, or, or stolen Stolen and got a record or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all erased. It's who we are right now. I am the righteousness of God in him. And if I'll start from there, start right there and not go back further than that, I'll always win. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee master over much. Second Corinthians chapter five. I'm winding this thing up. <laughs> Nobody said amen to that. Nobody believes that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. Here's who you are. The, the new birth must swallow up our humanity. The new birth must swallow up your humanity. If you regard your humanity, your gender, your race, your education, your marital status, if you regard anything in your humanity, you are limited. You are limited because grace can't come there. Grace cannot come where you say, no grace here, I got this. I'm a victim. I was abused. My daddy did this, my mama did that, and I'm, I, and I'm a victim. You're in a bad way. You're way worse than people that are in jail. It says in verse 15, I'm thinking about preaching real good here in just a minute. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Could you say amen there? Well, wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Say, including me. Including me, we should not know ourselves after the flesh. There is no limitation on me. In the sphere of his grace, I am boundless. You go, well, how come you don't have a huge church that has thousands? That's apparently not my grace. That's apparently not my assignment right now. But I don't care. Do you care? Do you care? Just think about all the people that can't go to church right now because they got in this huge church. Bless their hearts. 
Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Let me read it in the, the New Living. It says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Let's say amen right there. We will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Here it is. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. You got to know me by the spirit, family, as pastor. You got to know me by the spirit. You can't, you got to know, well, I don't want to say that, but you got to know political leaders after the spirit. Lots of people didn't like President Obama because he was black or half black, whatever that is. Lots of people didn't like that. They knew him after the flesh. And yet he was an amazing individual. But they couldn't get past his race. They just couldn't get past it. They were just seething with hatred and rage inside because. What difference does it make? I mean, you're drawing a paycheck and you get to drive on all the streets and you get to go to the swimming pool. You get to go out and eat and, and have steak if you want it. Well, it didn't affect anything. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So we got to discount where we came from. Excuse me. We have to discount who we've become and lay hold of who he made us, where we came from. I am born again, and there's not much on, going on after that. You say, you sure are a short little white man. I am the righteousness of God. Now, I make lots of fun of me. That's because I want to beat you to it. Hallelujah. That's what that means. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Do we have time for this? Of course we do. Y'all missed a big chance to just jump in there with me. I won't drag y'all so long if you'll agree with me. Verse 22 said, let us draw near, 1022, with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. So that means that we could have an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold the profess, the profession of our faith without wavering. For faithful, he is faithful that promised. And now here we are, verse 24. Let us consider one another. How should we consider one another, family? How should we consider one another? To provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But here it is. But exhorting one another as so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we're supposed to come to church. This is it. You go, I don't know about that. I think, I think it's this way or I think it's that. Well, you're just talking about your particular church, your particular choice. But that's because most people are unwilling to consider that they're in the wrong church. That God started you out in that church because you got born again. That's all you, that's all you knew. But now that's not where he's assigned you. You can't go. You can't go. You can't get your master's degree with your kindergarten teacher. Or something like that. I mean, it's, that's a good kindergarten teacher if you can. He, he's amazing. 
So we got to come. We got to come into the kingdom with uh, two hands. We got to have one to bring something. My gift, my grace to River Church. That's what you'd say. Every one of us. I've come to bring my gift and then I've come to pick up your gift. And and then in the doing of all that, every organ and tissue in your body is nourished with the blood because the blood touches every part of us. And we got to touch each other. You can't do without me. I certainly can't do without you. We need each other. You go, how do you know? Because the Bible says so. The Bible says that we are made for the church. There's a grace for us, and the operating system is church. I know lots of people don't like church, but, and they won't go. But I look at those same people that, says, that say, uh, have you ever seen a car wreck? Have you ever been in a car wreck? Yeah, it was bad. Do you still drive a car? Sure. Well, why, why don't you forgive a church like you would forgive a driver that was drunk? It doesn't make sense. There's a prejudice in there that says, I just don't want to go to church because I'm mad at God and this, that, and the other. Uh, now, I'm going to put this out there. You can do with it which, what you will. But you can't succeed without during, doing church right. I'm just going to tell you, you can't succeed. You can, can I be a Christian without going to church? Sure can, but you can't be a strong church, a Christian. You can't be a strong ch- Christian without going to church. The right church, I mean. A word church. Not, not, a, not a kindergarten church. You can't, and I'll have lots of people disagree with that. And you're welcome to be weak and, and uh, pitiful if you want to be. Because I'm right on this one. You've got to have church. There's things that you will begin to think on that according to your own way of thinking you will justify. There's things that you'll be condemned on because that you'll be condemned in your thinking and you have no judge from the outside. But when you go to church... We preach the word by the Holy Ghost, and he straightens all that stuff out. So you don't even know how bad it was going, how it was going to be, because you get it straightened out before it ever becomes something bad. We need the church. Is it flawed? Because it's full of people, and we're looking at our humanity. Yeah. Yay. Titus 2 says that we are a, a peculiar people. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says, ye are a peculiar people. It means an, a preserved people. And a, a, it means a, uh, uh, an obtained people. We've been obtained. The Lord Jesus has need of you. The Lord Jesus wants you at the right place at the right time. It's not all just about you and me. It's about the whole body, about the kingdom. It's about the whole moving of church. And that's the reason there's trouble in our nation is because we fail to pray for our leaders. And those in authority over us. Because he said, if you'll do that, you'll leave a long, uh, lead a good and peaceable life. You go, well, how come we're not having a good and peaceable life? Well, there's a reason. We don't blame anybody. We just say we went to the wrong place or we didn't inspire someone that says, why does it have to be the pastor? Why can't somebody just say, oh, we're praying over at my house on Thursday night. Y'all come over here. Pastor said we could do it. Well, yeah, we're praying people. Well, we're going to start a Bible study in my house uh, on, on third Mondays. Why not? Why, would everybody come? No. But would somebody come? Eventually. 
gay. So the church has become visionless. I'm talking about the general church. Because we haven't had something in our life that drives us. We haven't had something in us that says, I'm preparing. Listen, I'm preparing myself to rule and reign with him. Everybody's just looking at today. Can I pay my bills today? Can I get home today? Can I keep my job today? Can I, can I get kids to, be, to obey me today? Instead of saying, what can I do to rule and reign with him? So we're, what do you call that, hamstrung? We're, we're hobbled in that sense because we're moving with a, a church that's conscious of its humanity. It hadn't always been this way, but right now we're in a specific cultural season where people are saying, I am what I feel like. I am what I prefer. We've got all sorts of gender mix-ups. We've got all sorts of uh, political mix-ups. It doesn't matter. This tells us the truth. There will always be something, buddy, that's mixed up around you. You and I used to be mixed up when we were in somebody else's life, being the mixed up part of their life. But I'm straightened out now. How about you? I found this. Amen. Well, I'm not going to get to all that I wanted to get to this morning. But I will say you need to pray out the plan for your life. You need to pray out the plan. Y'all say amen. amen. Pray out the plan. You need to get in the Holy Ghost and pray out the plan. It'll steer you around stuff. It won't be like, oh, I saw this picture of this thing that I wasn't supposed to do. It'll just steer you around. You'll never know what he delivered you from. It'll steer you to things. It'll steer you into the path of something that God wants in your life. And if you don't have it, it's going to delay you and hinder you. So we pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. I said, we're a Holy Ghost church, and we pray in the Holy Ghost so we can be at the right place at the right time. Let's read, let's read two of these. The Company of the Committed. Now, this is stir you up. Now, you may not can say this confession with, uh, with absolute confidence, but you just keep putting it in until you can. This thing's stouter than garlic. This is like chewing on a clove of garlic and just saying, isn't that good? This is tough, but it's who we are. And the reason it's tough is because we think we're somebody else, but this is who we are. Let's read, it, let's read it together. I'm a part of the company of the committed. The die has been cast, the decision has been made, and Jesus is Lord. I've stepped over the line and will never turn back. I'm bold towards heaven, every facet of hell, and all men. Therefore, I will not falter or flinch, let up or look back, slow down, slip away, or be still on any day of my bought with a price life. My past is redeemed, my future is secure, and right now everything is turning out amazing. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I am absolutely sold out to God and everything is just right. Now what you don't know about this is I've gone through this over and over and I have a scripture reference for every single part Every, every single part, like, uh, I will not falter or flinch. 
I've got scripture for that. This thing is like a Bible scripture. This is a confession. It lines up with the word of God every, every whit. I'm telling you, I've got scripture that every single part of this thing. It took me a while to put that together. Read this. Meditate this. It'll steer you. It'll put, it'll put a backbone in you. It'll put a rod of steel in you. Praise God. Yay. Yay. Yay, yay. <laughs> Woohoo! That's just uh, just a second, Barry. Let's see if there's anything for for that part of the world. Yeah, there's uh, there's someone out there that's got a digestive issue. Something. This is bizarre, but something has come unhooked in your digestive tract. Your your what do you call that? The GI and uh, You've got a leak. There's something wrong inside uh, that's leaking out things. Uh, I think there's a leaky gut thing, but this is even more than that. And I tell you by the name of Jesus, the Lord's healing that right now for you. So just receive it. Just say, I receive healing in my, my gut, my, my digestive tract. And the Lord's taking care of that without a doctor or any kind of analysis. Be healed and made whole in Jesus' name. And if you have headaches especially on the left side of your head, above your ear, and you got headaches there, and they just come, and they pound you. I'm telling you, the Lord is taking care of that right now. Be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. And then thirdly, there's a tooth issue. Uh, I, believe it's on the, I believe it's on the upper side, this side over here. And uh, it's really giving you old Billy, really hurting and uh, right now we address that pain and that infection and tell you to settle down and be gone, be healed in Jesus' name. So just receive that from the Lord. He knows what you have, and he's uh, wanting to show you how much he cares. So God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Amen.